lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. I am joined alongside... Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And of course, all of you are welcome to join us as well. Uh, there's lots of ways to let us know what you think about what we think. Try Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. I'm not really sure right now um, what outlets to direct you to and which ones uh, not to. Um Obviously, nobody has a Parler account at the moment. Those are gone, with Parler being completely deplatformed. Uh, what we what we saw over the weekend is very similar to what we saw before Super Tuesday. But I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, uh, so you can follow me on MeWe. Uh, just look up Steve Dace there. Um, we are shadow banned on Facebook. You can try following us there. Good luck. We are down about 10,000 plus followers as we speak on Twitter, which is ironic because in terms of new follower count, I've actually had a couple of my strongest several days in a row in quite a while. But it's like every time I add one, I'm losing one (laughs) instead. All right. But uh, you can keep following us for now on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. I just heard about Gab like two days ago. Um, I spent then two days trying to get on there and create an account. I think I have finally been able to do so. Uh, they own their own servers. That is so, but, but their servers are clearly so overloaded, which I guess for them is a good thing. All right, so look for Steve Dace on Gab if you were there. I don't know a lot about it. Again, I'm, I'm just, guys... I'm just, uh, I'm not much different than you. I've just got a bigger microphone and no more people in the system. I I am trying to figure out this entire process alongside all of you. Um, I, I know right now probably isn't the greatest time to remind you about my brand new book since Amazon is who deplatformed Parler. I don't know where to have you, where else you would go get it though. One, I don't even have my, I'd sell it to you directly. I'd tell you, hey, send me, you know, a check and self-addressed box and I'll sign it and send it back to you. I don't have my author copies because Barnes and Noble looks like it's about to go out of business and that's where my author copies were coming from. So I don't even have my author copies. All right, we, we sold out of all of the autographed copies exclusive to Premier Collectibles. Hopefully, we will restock those here very soon. So if you don't want to do business with Amazon, I don't blame you. You can go there. Um, but that is... Uh, the, here, here's the thing. I know we've joked about, you know, and I, th- and I hope I, and I trust you guys are smart enough to know. We joke around about buy the book for my kid and stuff like that. And it's really just my own self-deprecating defense mechanism because I'm because for all the talk that we give about um, uh, crushing me for self uh, promotion, I'm, I'm really not that good at it and I'm uncomfortable with it and I kind of suck at it. And um, I'd much rather talk about what I believe than about me. The reality is, I think the story that we have written here with a nefarious plot is powerful and has the chance, I think, to touch some hearts and change some lives. Um, and unfortunately, the only place I can think of right now that I know for sure you can buy a copy of the book is at Amazon.com. I, 
there's no other place for me to give you an audiobook other than audible it's what i've been the moment we're at here today i've been warning you about all this time there, there's no way for us to disconnect from all the people that don't share our value system we're, we're out of suburbs to move to we're out of exurbs to move to we're out of rural places to to remote places to escape to figuratively and literally there, there's no way around it you know um does anybody other than apple or google make phones i don't think so um all the apps you would want to get so i signed up with gab i can't get an app because they're all banned from the store so you have to get it right off their website which is you know overrun despite all the servers that they have so one of the things we're going to talk about today next hour if we didn't have covid lockdowns and restrictions if we didn't have those things and if i were on the speaker circuit right now and asked to come talk at your event or your church about where we're at as a country and how we got here what would i say next hour i'm going to give that talk we'll set it aside as a separate video we'll put it on the various platforms that are still willing to host it i guess do we still have a youtube page aaron do we still have one last i checked yeah all right so youtube.com slash steve dace you can go to rumble.com slash steve dace d-e-a-c-e we'll post it there too but it's 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 a practical battle plan for people like us people that can't launch lawsuits that aren't currently in office somewhere it's a practical plan for each one of us but before we announce that plan i think we need to take a very sober and brutally honest assessment of why we are here so we're going to do that next hour of the show okay this hour of the show, we're going to spend a lot of time talking uh, to our good friend Bob Vanderplatz at the bottom of the hour. Um, we'll get a, a reset of where things are at right now, but I do want to start with some good news, if I could, all right? And I know it's trite, but sometimes in life, man, it is the little things. If you have not taken advice, and maybe last year, may, listen, built Bars are great. I've probably blown it maybe a little out of proportion. Because last year, there weren't a lot of good new things that we discovered because all the new things were all denied and shut down. But man, if, if you're looking to eat healthier without sacrificing taste and flavor, I'm telling you, there is not a better product out there that I have tried in the entire country than Built Bar. All right. Less than 160 calorie, 160 calories or less in every bar, five grams of sugar or less in every bar, five uh, carbs or less in every bar, uh, up to 20 grams of protein in every bar. You've never had a protein bar like this. Certainly not one with the texture of a candy bar and the taste, all the various flavors that they have. I've got some candy cane brownie and white chocolate sea salt caramel uh, waiting for me today uh, for my two built bars a day that I do. Um, over 20 flavors, all covered in real chocolate chocolate this is the best new product that i have found in the last year and you can right now get 20 percent. you want to try it as well as a new product use my name dace as a promo code get 20 percent off your next order promo code dace d-e-a-c-e 20 percent off when you go to built b-u-i-l-t builtbar.com again that's builtbar.com all right let's go ahead aaron let's uh, give everybody a reset and a rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by The Purge. It's real, it's spectacular, and it's happening right now. On Friday evening, major big tech companies, including Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter, likely colluded, yes, I'm saying that out loud, to purge major conservative figures and an entire platform from the face of the internet. 
beginning with Twitter, who permanently banned President Trump from his Twitter account. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg had already announced earlier in the week Trump was banned from that platform, as well as Instagram, indefinitely. Reddit banned its Donald Trump-centric subreddit on Friday. The live video platform Twitch announced a temporary ban on President Trump's channel. The e-commerce platform Shopify shut down all of Trump's accounts on Friday. The payment processor Stripe also announced on Friday the company will no longer be processing payments for President Trump's campaign. But big tech was just getting started. The Twitter alternative website Parler, which has been growing by leaps and bounds along with the growing specter of big tech tyranny, was not only banned, but totally deplatformed itself over the weekend, starting on Friday night when Google and Apple threatened to remove the app from their respective app stores, saying the app was used to organize and incite the Capitol riot. By Saturday night, both companies had removed the app from their app stores. Yes, that's the same Apple who famously refused to unlock the iPhones of the San Bernardino terrorists a few years ago has no problem banning an app from its platform because of incitement. By Sunday, Amazon Web Services, the company Parler used to host their website, had threatened to boot Parler from their servers. By this morning, Parler was completely gone from the face of the internet. But it got even worse as Parler CEO John Matzi explained to Fox Business's Maria Bartiromo. Not just these three companies. Every vendor from um, from text message services to email providers to our lawyers all ditched us, too, on the same day. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey gloated about the annihilation of his competition on Twitter over the weekend. Melissa Chen of Spectator summed it up best this weekend. Well, it's a private company, so if you don't like it, you can always create your own social network, create your own app ecosystem, create your own payment system, create your own web hosting service, create your own power company, create your own country. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham pledged to get to the bottom of big tech censorship once again. And just to reset this for you, the cycle of big tech censorship goes like this. Big tech gets more Orwellian. Conservatives are outraged. Republican senators write strongly worded letters. Republican senators threaten big tech companies. Nothing actually happens. Everyone forgets. And now this. More disturbing video is being uncovered from the riot at the U.S. Capitol building last week. One in particular shows a Capitol police officer being grabbed by rioters and beaten by one man in particular with an American flag. One Capitol Police officer, 42-year-old Brian Sicknick, died of injuries sustained during the riot on Thursday night. Sicknick was also a veteran of the Air National Guard and, according to the New York Post, was an avid supporter of President Trump, who had written numerous letters to his congressmen and newspapers over the years detailing his deep disillusionment with both the Bush and Obama administrations and the entire system of government. According to the New York Post, who spoke to people who knew Sicknick, quote, after serving his country and observing the workings of its government, Sicknick had come to believe that America is governed by a self-interested, unresponsive, and unaccountable oligarchy. So to sum up today's montage for you, a group of apparently angry, frustrated people, some nihilists, some Trump supporters, stormed the U.S. Capitol last week, killing a police officer who ostensibly shared many of their views. That event is now being used as the impetus from big tech 
tech oligarchs to essentially label the rest of us, even those who condemned the riots, as terrorists unworthy of having a voice in society. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Omaha Steaks. You know, have you ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so darn good? Well, it's that aging process. They age their steaks at least 21 days because that's the sweet spot. It's where the magic happens. You can try those mouthwatering steaks uh, in the Butcher's Best Sellers Grill Pack. It includes four of their iconic fork tender butcher's cut filet mignons, four ultra juicy burgers, four savory pork chops, desserts, and so much more. And that is a carnivore's delight right there. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter my name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E, into the search bar for a special price on the Butcher's Best Sellers Package. Plus, plus, get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free. Man, that's, that's a lot of meat. All right, so Omaha Steaks, the leader in gourmet steaks and food since 1917. OmahaSteaks.com to get all of that. You're looking for the Butcher's Best Sellers Grill Pack in uh, the uh, search bar for the special price. Put my last name, D-E-A-C-E. Put my last name in, Dace. 100% money back guarantee because they're pretty confident that you're not going to need it. You're not going to want it. You're going to love this product. And I've ate these for years, trust me. You will, all right? OmahaSteaks.com. Use the promo code DACE. All right, today in the overtime, which I have completely forgotten about, so I hope you guys are going to come up with something that we're going to discuss because I've been so busy at work uh, with what's going on and talking to people I know around the country and in our industry. I totally forgot we even had an overtime until five minutes ago. So, Todd, you're on it. Good luck. Um, (laughs) We will discuss whatever topic Todd comes up with for the overtime today for our Blaze TV subscribers. Now, um, the Borg won't stay on deck 16. So if you think just deplatforming us on social media is where this will stop, um, the Borg won't stay on, on deck 16. If, if you want to make sure that you can st- continue to get our content, us on this show and every other show we have here on Blaze TV, thankfully hundreds of thousands of you are already subscribing. But that's about the only way that we can guarantee in the next 10 minutes, in the next 10 weeks, months, that you're going to be able to continue uh, to access our content daily. Go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to get a discounted subscription today to Blaze TV. blazetv.com slash dace, and you'll get all the content that we do exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers. And then that's also where you can find the overtime today. We record it after every uh, weekday broadcast. We stick around, do the overtime just for subscribers. Also at that exact same website. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. There's two points I want to make out of Aaron's montage. And then I have a lot more to say about the events of the last few days, next hour. There is a talk that I have been uh, mulling over and percolating that I was going to wait and do for later. That I thought it would be easier to hear some of this later when maybe emotions from this election have simmered down at least a little bit. But I think uh, all of us are operating right now on an accelerated curve. And so I think we need to have this conversation now. And so that's what we are going to do next hour. For now, I have two things I want to say about what happened over the weekend and, and 
what Aaron just highlighted in his montage. I want to start with the death of that officer. I said this over the summer when we saw those riots. And the I used to own a website connected with Sports Illustrated. And when I said this about them, Sports Illustrated tried to take my website away from me and deplatform me. I fought them and I won. And they didn't. And then shortly after I won, I just went ahead and resigned anyway because I didn't want to work with them anymore. <laughs> All right, but I won first. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing. Everyone responsible for that death should be given the death penalty. Everyone. Everyone responsible for the death of that cop should be given the death penalty. That level of thuggery. We don't live in Cleveland. We live in Cincinnati. Although, you know, when the Browns played last night, but still, a guy died. One of your own guys apparently died. That's friendly fire, man. That's not Sons of Liberty. That's a mob. That's out of control. That's not meekness. That's not power under control. You lashed out and took it out on someone that's wearing your own uniform. It's similar to some of the rioting we have seen in places like Ferguson and other places over the years. And I've pointed out, it is weird and odd to me, you're burning down your own businesses and neighborhoods, right? We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. You're so mad, you go out and burn down your own homes, your own neighborhoods. Everyone responsible for his death should all be given the death penalty, period. Here's the other point I would like to make this morning. The theme of the talk we're going to do next hour is a time for truth. And we're always about the truth on this show. Sometimes, though, prudence says, find a time that people are more likely to be receptive to it, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And we maybe should abide by that more, <laughs> okay? But um, I'm sorry, I'm still just, that video, every time I've watched it several times, it bothers me every bit as much as the video of what happened to that woman, Ashley. It really bothers me, that video. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. I don't want to get in the way of a train of thought. I don't, and maybe Aaron, because you put this together, you understand the timing. How does it coexist that that video happened and the video of the police officers opening the doors and letting down the gates and people civilly just walking into the building? Those are both out there. I know. I know. When did they happen? I shared, I sh I shared that video as well. When yeah. did they happen relative to one another? I, I, well, I don't know, Todd. I mean, when you st <laughs> what, what was the motive for the worst shooter we've ever had? That's my point okay. of asking this question. I mean, do we, we, we really believe we ever Jeffrey know? Epstein hung himself from a bed that right. was on the floor? Um, I, I mean, I, and that we that just so happened to be the day the cameras went out. Um, you know, 
could we get a signature audit of the thousands of ballots we saw in Fulton County, Georgia and Philadelphia County, Pennsylvania, just so we know, can we, can we, uh, there, there seems to be an allergic reaction in this culture to the truth. Let me jump right to a narrative that supports my presupposition, my preference, my desire, and then just run with it as opposed to what, what is the truth? Let the truth have its way. We, we seem to not want to reconcile these things. How many times the last few years have I asked questions about how we are given seemingly irreconcilable sequences of events or facts in the exact same circumstance? And they just they just don't get reconciled. Do you mean like, they don't for get example, answered. people who now say mobs are bad just this summer said police shouldn't even exist? Do you mean yes. those people, Steve? Yeah. yeah. The people who said defund the police want to know why the, the National Guard wasn't standing right there when those buses showed up. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, the truth is the, is, is, the, is the chief casualty of America's culture war. I mean, the, the truth is just largely lost. But, but on our show, even when it offends, it's not, it's, it's, it's not ejected here. So let me tell you a truth you probably don't want to hear. But if you want to win, you need to hear. Nobody cares about your free speech arguments. The only people who care are the people who are also losing followers like we are, who are also getting banned like you are. All right, nobody cares. The ACLU, and I just retweeted it too, it's a nice gesture. Remember when they were for civil liberties? Remember? I do. Yeah, apparently they've come out from whatever puss-infested rock they usually hide these days and have said that the big tech went too far in what they did to Parler, Okay. That, I don't trust, frankly. I, I just think that that's just, that was so obvious and out in the open what was done to Parler that some people felt like to maintain any level of delusion and deception about what they really are, they kind of had to um, give uh, do the Lindsey Graham version of a sternly worded letter. But I, I, I look for the ACLU, which finds ways to get standing in federal courts all over the country, right? To oppose us on all forms of issues, right? I, I, I come back to me when someone at the ACLU walks into a federal court and goes after big tech and files a suit against them, like they do against your school if you want to have a prayer before a football game, right? Right. Until that happens, I really don't care about their blogs, columns, or or, or what they have to say. It's just all grandstanding. That doesn't mean on a corporate level we are out of options. But you have to hit your opposition where they are weak, not where you want to hit them and not where they prefer to be hit or, or, or not where you prefer to want to hit them and not where you think they're weak. If our free speech arguments worked, we wouldn't be here today. Your speech is violence. Your speech is hate. What's happening right now, I believe the Orwellian term, it's been a while since I've read the book, but I believe the term is you're being unpersoned. That's what's happening. We're being unpersoned. That doesn't mean, though, that the Death Star doesn't have a thermal exhaust port. It does. Some of you aren't going to like this, though. And some of you are going to be like the people who last week said, we have to strictly enforce the 12th Amendment in order to let people who don't care about the first 10 amendments or any single syllable of the Constitution um, get away with whatever this election was. Right? Oh, so we're going to amen. replay we're going to replay that one again. But the thermal exhaust port is that these are publicly traded companies. 
and Twitter stock is already is already down. But it's not down just because it banned Trump and it cost him traffic. That's part of it. But remember on Friday when I when I talked about I don't understand this the the Ted Cruz strategy of let me spend three years making all these inroads in the MAGA world, right? And then let me create a coalition of people who are willing to audit the election, right? And then after the events, come out and then blame Trump for incitement. Because then you just, and I saw, it, I saw it on Twitter before all the bannings began, a bunch of all the people in MAGA world who were singing his praises for years all thought he abandoned them, right? That, that We've seen how many Republicans do this over the years. We've seen Trump do this numerous times. I mean, I was talking to somebody in the Trump White House before I got on the air today. I said, hey, your boss has done this a lot. Call the opposition out for a fight, threaten him one, and then they come out guns blazing and like the fight never happens. But we get all the blame for it anyway. We get all, it's like, it's, it's like we violated the Geneva, Geneva Convention by dropping mustard gas. And so we get, we get called to the Hague for war crimes when we never even launched any mustard gas. We just tweeted we would. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I do. Yeah, we just put on Instagram, here comes the mustard gas. Release the mustard gas cracking. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. We didn't do anything. But, then the, but, but you wouldn't know that if you watched the next day of news. You wouldn't know that if you watched the next day of shunnings and shadow bannings. It was like we committed all these heinous war crimes that we only threatened, but never really actually did. So we got all the blowback and didn't get the benefit of actually seeing um, any desolation of our enemies. And then they get, since we get the worst of both worlds, they get the best of both worlds. They now have an excuse to come back at us as hard as they've always wanted to. But then they don't have to worry about any blowback because it was in response to us threatening them. And on and on and on this has gone the past few years. See, the other reason Twitter stock is down today is because they're getting hit by all kinds of lefties that they waited too long to ban Trump. See, they're getting it from both sides. They've done the reverse Ted Cruz. They banned Trump. They kept him around because he was good for traffic. And it legitimized Twitter as a news platform that Trump used it as his means of reaching the American people, right? So they let Trump legitimize them as a platform, which angered their own base, lefties. And so they tried to cynically put up with Trump for a long time because he was helping their bottom line, their chance to go public. And then when, it, when the, when the blowback, blowback got too high, they dump on him, but aren't getting any credit from their lefty friends for it today. That's why their stock is down. They're in the worst of both worlds. They've, they're losing traffic by what they did to Trump and what they're doing to people like us. But then they don't get any credit from the lefties that they're making alms to and making sacrifices to because they, they wanted all of us gone weeks and months and years ago. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's the weakness. The thermal exhaust port is that these are publicly traded companies. Investors don't like controversy unless it's a controversy that they predicted before it happened so they could make money on it and get ahead of the market. They don't like controversy. They like controversy after they've made their play with a stock, not while they're holding the stock. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They like variables before they buy or sell the stock. That's how they make money. I'm ahead of the market. They don't make money by variables once they own the stock itself. You want to beat these guys. You're not going to do it with fanciful pleas for the for free speech. How did William Wilberforce get slavery banned in England? Largely on a technicality or technicality maritime over, law. Yeah, over maritime law. Yeah. You want to get these guys? You need to start making Elizabeth Warren's arguments. Republican attorney generals around the country need to join the antitrust suit that the New York State Attorney General has already launched. 
or said she was going to. You need to go after them on antitrust grounds, unfair business practices. Well, see, we believe in the free market. <laughs> you mean the one where all your Republican shills have been over, have been given like the prostitutes they are, turning tricks for corporatists, for tax cuts and incentives and deregulations in exchange for nothing for decade upon decade. You mean you mean that free market? You mean that one? You need to hit them where they're vulnerable, and where they are vulnerable is that they're publicly traded companies. These are clearly antitrust violations need to be using Elizabeth Warren's arguments against them. Our arguments, no one cares except us. And we don't own our own servers, our own platforms, our own means of production. You can't successfully boycott these people. They own everything. You've All the haze in the barn. All the haze in the barn. Yeah, I'm good. they got all my money and data, I'm out. They're like, say it. Got what we wanted. Thanks. You have, to, you have to threaten them where they're weak. And where they're weakened is on the antitrust side. Destabilizing their business model. Because they're publicly traded companies. Use the Democrats' own language and class warfare arguments against them. That's the weak spot. And that's the place we have not attacked them yet. More in a moment. You know, in 2021, a truly diversified portfolio needs more than the traditional mix of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. It needs private real estate, and studies have shown that portfolios with an allocation to private real estate generally deliver a better risk-adjusted return with more annual income and lower volatility uh, over the past two decades, thanks to its track record of consistent performance through multiple market cycles. You know, it's like Lex Luthor. Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor says in the first Superman movie, his father taught him that land was the one thing they weren't making any more of, right? That's kind of how Fundrise rolls. Uh, this, uh, they provide you access to diversified portfolios of private real estate to all investors with their industry-leading, easy-to-use platform. So whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or prefer long-term growth through appreciation, Fundrise makes investing in private real estate as easy as investing in stocks, bonds, or a mutual fund, and their team of professionals carefully vets and actively manages all their real estate projects and you can see for yourself how 130,000 investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started. Go to Fundrise, F-U-N-D, Rise, all one word, fundrise.com slash dace today. Again, that's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E, fundrise.com slash dace. One more time, that's fundrise.com slash dace. Let's welcome in our good friend Bob, Bob Vanderplas from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm very blessed. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. It's it's been a few weeks since since we have seen you. So let me just start then with an elevator open question. What do you think about what's going on? I have no other agenda (laughs) other than that. What do you think? I think it's time for all of us uh, in 2021 to put in the clutch, take a deep breath, Uh, especially for those of us who are believers and claim the Christian faith. 
and and personalize what we call here at the Family Leader IF-714. Now, you've heard me talk about IF-714 before this country needs revival. I think nothing was more clear on Wednesday when I was watching the news and the accounts, the pictures, the videos have gone. We need revival. And to not be just a, a thing that we throw out there, the country needs revival, but I think it begins with me, uh, begins with our ministry, with our family, uh, and hopefully the ripple effect will go out from there. And what's interesting, Steve, is um, I was in Scottsdale when everything unfolded on Wednesday, and I was at a national conference and had the opportunity to speak at a, a dinner that evening. And I said, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of emotions I wrestled with that day. But probably one of the most tragic was uh, when I saw windows getting busted and doors getting kicked in and storming the Capitol. And I don't care what side of it you're on. I just thought, you know, this is where we've placed our hope. And we've made government the idol. And that if we win, uh, we, we get... Uh, all things will come our way. You know, the blessings will come. And if we lose, it's it's totally destructive. It's it's over. And I think our hope must be a lot higher than that. And so I think this is not the time, frankly, and I've told our team, this is not the time to lead with answers. I think that's a leadership mistake. I think it's the time to lead with questions. It's a time to lead with personal reflection. Uh, it's a time to personalize, to say, am I willing to humble myself? Am I truly willing to pray and seek God's face? Am I truly willing to turn from my wicked ways, my idols, whatever separates me from God? Am I willing to do that? And then maybe God can speak to me. Because what I'm reminded of is, is not from a believer in the Christian faith, but from a Jewish friend of mine, Frank Luntz. Frank Luntz, four years ago, said to me, he said, uh, the danger he sees in America today is we no longer go to the news or do the hard work to truly be informed. But we go to our echo chambers, our narrative, to be confirmed. And he said, I see that as being a huge danger. And I'm not saying Frank is right on a lot of things, but I believe that to be true. We're going to our echo chambers and saying, if you say this, you must be wrong, and therefore I should hate you. And I'm going, you know what? Jesus was on to something. Love God. Look higher. And then love your neighbors yourself. And if you can do those two things, there might be hope. And so our deal today is we're going to try to personalize this 714, not only as individuals and as families, but as a ministry. And then we are going to get about the business that we've been doing the last several years, and that's with the Daniel Impact of inspiring the church to engage government, not for the advancement of a candidate and not for the advancement of a political party, but for the advancement of God's kingdom and for the blessing of family. And we've seen tangible, tangible benefits all the way through, and we're going to double down on that. And uh, But I think it's a good time to for reflection uh, for all of us uh, versus like, you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm going to stomp you down if you don't believe the way I believe. So I have two follow-up questions to that. Sure. Because I I want our audience to understand how that what you just said is applied. Number 1. When one side of the argument is adamant 
that this is a zero this is now a zero sum game. It's not just enough for me to win as a majority and then I get to govern while I'm in the majority. But I don't I don't want to I don't want your viewpoints tolerated. I don't I don't your, your existence is offensive. When one side of the argument is at least entertaining that notion or has elements within its ranks that we long before Donald Trump ever came down that escalator or became president, we were talking about things like bake the cake, bigot, right? Sure. These things are not new, right? I mean, you have fought against these things on an organizational level yourself. You bet. When one side has made it very, very clear that you can reflect all you want, we're just going to take everything while you do. What do we do then? I think one is uh, you try to love your neighbors yourself. Um, I don't think you're. I don't think you're going to win by saying I'm going to scream louder and I'm going to bash in harder. And, I don't. I, I agree with that. And, then, and, and then, I, then what's the opposite of that? Oh, I think what it is. I think I. I do believe or the antidote. Maybe okay. So maybe it's the high school principal in me. We're all heck broke Luke, loose at the high school, and it's the deal. But you know, guys, everybody needs a Lamaze breath right now. Put in the clutch. We need a pause button. And, what if you and, can't and, get and, them and, to pause? What if they refuse to pause? Well, okay. What would you do if the student refused to pause and instead say, I'm just going to keep beating yeah. up the other student anyway? Well, what was a, as a high school principal, I'd have some real options there. Mm -hmm. But as a citizen of the United States, you don't have that right to say, okay, they refuse to pause. I'm saying it's time for us to take on personal responsibility. And you know what? Then I think what we can do is we can find the leadership way out of this. As far as to, we, we say all the time, look higher, think bigger, expect more. I still believe that. And I think that is- What are we the, looking for? What would the action be that we would do differently? Well, well, I think differently is that one is, instead of just pointing our fingers at the other sides to blame, mm -hmm. they're, they're, you know what, I've been screwed for a long time. And what, what's amazing to me when we take a look at this, we live in the most prosperous country in the world that has been- unbelievably good to us. Every one of us in this room, in this studio, lives way above and beyond any means that we ever thought possible that we do. And so to me, when I take a look at some of the stuff, I think we're like, we're like a spoiled rich kid that we, it's, we deserve this now. I, I was born on third base and I believe I hit a triple. And I'm going, we're losing a lot of fundamental tenets. And the big thing, what Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians, I beat my body. I put it into strict discipline. Why? So I will not be disqualified for the prize. I won't be compromised for it. So I'm saying when we go out, let us go out with, you know, that our hope is not in a vessel of government. That's a ripple effect of our hope. We believe elections matter. That's why we play in them. Mm -hmm. We believe policies matter. That's why we play in us. So we have a whole team down at the Capitol today. But the thing is, our real hope is not there. And so I would say, let's don't be a reflection of that. And so, and as they try to shut us down, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Parler, whatever else it might be, which I think is a huge mistake. I think it's a complete outkicking of anybody's coverage to say this would be the answer to that. I'm also reminded the church has blossomed and it has grown and revivals have begun under persecution as well. You will not thwart the gospel of Jesus Christ. So therefore, I think instead of walking around like, boys, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I've got beat, I'm lost. Like, no, there's real hope today. And so we're going to look at long term. 
And that's what we said initially when we changed our model four years ago, and now it's in 12 other states and hopefully growing, about we will authentically embrace the bride of Christ. I believe Jesus at his word. I don't believe Jesus made it. I'm saying, eh, I don't think it, it works anymore. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What, what do you want the church to do? I, I want, uh, first of all, it's not so much what do I want the church to do, because we're all part of the church, right? Mm -hmm. Is what I want to do is say that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So let's join in the mission of the harvest. What's the mission? The mission is to, to bring light to darkness, is to share the good news, is to the, the gospel. That's the thing that'll still go forward today. And so when, when evil presses, evil doesn't win long term. And so inspire the church in our, our role. We say we inspire the church to engage government, big C, for the advancement of God's kingdom mm -hmm. and for the blessing of the family. We believe long-term that will make the difference uh, versus just screaming louder and saying, you know what, this is the way it should be. Okay. There, there's a lot of fault let, to be turned around. Let me... I, I, you're my friend. I've seen, you, I've seen you spill more blood in the arena than the vast majority of people in our movement successfully. And, and I know my audience, though, a lot of them are going to say this sounds really trite, but and I don't. And you've actually done things that matter. So I, I trite is not what your ministry does. So I'm I'm trying to get my audience to see, help you, have you quantify for them what this looks like. So let me put a, give you a specific situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, tomorrow they tell you uh, you're taking your your website offline. You can't have one. Um. Your whatever uh, your bank says, the bank says we're not uh, we're not uh, dealing. You can't. No banks are willing to do business with you guys at all any longer, right? What does the family leader do? Well, first of all, I think we can work around either one of those scenarios. But the other part of it is that we fight. We fight for what is right. But we do That's it. That's what people are trying but, to think of. But, How but, do we do that? But we How do, we do well, that well, the first thing I'd say is find out where your facts are. Who's lying to you? Who's not lying to you? Because frankly, I think a lot of people are being lied to today. And I think a lot of people are being stoked on their worst fears today, which is the worst type of leadership. And there's a lot of kind of, matter of fact, Romans 12 verse 8 says, lead and lead with all diligence. What does that mean? You have a high accountability to be a leader. And so instead of trying to figure out, okay, who's our next leader that can, let's say, let's get things right first with ourselves. And I mean, that. If, if that's trite, I'd say try it. Try, try for 30 days. Download the F714 app. Pray twice a day with us. Pray, make, make this part of your life about revival. Let me know if that's trite to you. Because it'll impact your marriage. It'll impact your family. And fa frankly, it'll impact your government. Uh, but what I'm saying is that what I took a look at on Wednesday, and again, uh, discouraged, disappointed uh, on a bunch of levels. But the base one I thought of is that, you know, there's our hope. We, we've made we made this a blood sport of the idol, and I don't think this is it. I, I think we can look way higher, and the ripple effect can be government with ministers of God advancing righteous policies. That is a model of biblical partnership that wins people to the kingdom. I think that's a good thing. And if that's trite, uh, we're, we're going to continue to be trite. 
I want to give you last a chance to say a last word here in a second. But if you have noticed your hair is not looking as full as it used to, that's not a problem Bob has. I do. <laughs> um, but uh, losing your hair is no fun. So let's talk about options. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription and then visit the pharmacy as you try not to go broke while you're trying not to go bald. Or you can go to Keeps for the comfort of your own home and save a ton of money because they use the generic versions of those same products. So you can save up to 50% off and it's all done online. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you that's shipped directly to your door. So big savings, a lot of convenience. How about even more savings just to get you started? Half off your first order right now. Uh, so you get almost half off with the generic versions and then half off your first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. All right. I've got about two minutes here. What is it you want to say? I mean, there, there's probably at least 10 or 15 people tuned in right now. So if you had 10 or yet two minutes to say anything you want to them, what do you want to say? I don't know if it'll take two minutes, but I think in any situation, especially in the one that we're facing with, uh, the free consulting advice that I'd give you uh, and to your audience is don't lead right now with answers. Lead with questions. Ask the right questions. The right questions will lead to the right answers. And I would make it, I, I would, I would personalize it. I'd personalize it to yourself and I'd personalize it to your family and whatever business or ministry or community that you're in. Uh, the other part of it, this is going to be a little bit of a shameless plug for a good friend of mine, Dell Tackett. Uh, but Dell Tackett was, is known for the Truth Project. And I think it's gone out to like 80 million people in a bunch of different countries. But it's all, what does the Bible have to say about this? This is Truth Project. But he is a good friend of mine. He said, you know what? His next project, which is now up and it's available, is he goes, I believe it's my most important one. And it's the engagement project. And the engagement project is all about <clears throat> love your neighbor as yourself. And are you willing to have that conversation? Am I willing to have the conversation with a neighbor of mine who has a Biden-Harris sign out in their front yard? Or somebody who looks completely different than me? Am I willing to have a dialogue, not to say I'm right, you're wrong, but to say, you know what, I'm going to love you. I want to care for you. And maybe that'll open up conversations for much longer to where, you know, I'm, I'm trying to win more than the next debate, but I'm trying to win long term what Paul would say, you know, that's the harvest field. And so I think if you haven't heard of it, I tell you to take a look at it. If you want to know where is hope, I think Engagement Project. And I'd also download that app of If714. Go to if714.com, download your version, and join us in prayer. We need, I mean, you talk about trite, the whole deal about I'll pray for you, but then when I leave, I don't. This country needs prayer like never before today. Well, I think that's pretty pretty obvious. No doubt about that. All right, man. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate All right, it. God bless. All right. Next hour. Um. I think it's it's time for us to, I was going to do this here in a few weeks, maybe after things had simmered down, but I think it's accelerated. I think it's time to do it now. I think we need to have a brutally honest assessment for how we ended up where we are. That is going to include some self-reflection as Bob was just talking about, but I'm actually going to give you a few suggestions that I th of things I think we can do differently. We're going to do that here next.
And we are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, by the way. Todd and Aaron are here, too. If you do listen to the podcast, we love you every bit as much as, hopefully, you love us. Show your appreciation, if you don't mind. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform that you access us through. But again, given the environment we are currently in, who knows, man, whether you can access us that way today, tomorrow, six months from now, a year from now. The only way we know for sure we can deliver our content to you if you want it is if you get it directly from us by becoming a Blaze TV subscriber. That's why we set up this network with a subscription model in the eventuality that the day that has now arrived eventually would. All right, so go to blazetv.com and get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV today at blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. You know, these are some uncertain times, are they not? A little bit. A, a little bit, yes. Uh, the, the times in which Andrew Cuomo tweets out, we can't keep things shut down until the vaccine uh, gets to everybody. It's just going to cost us too much. I'll take things you tweet after you think you've actually finally won the election for $1,000, Alex, right? Um, if you had Andrew Cuomo opening up business on Monday morning in response to the events of the weekend with essentially one of the number one reasons people voted for Donald Trump uh, in November, they wanted their lives back. Uh, hit that on your bingo card of 2021. I mean, that that th- this is the uncertainty of the times in which we're in. That's why if you were going into a real estate market, man, always make sure you've got an agent that you can trust. But that's especially true right now at realestateagentsitrust.com. Every agent there, this is, by the way, this is a site started by Glenn Beck and his associates who kept running into agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the desired results when needed the most. So they wanted to make sure that you didn't suffer the same fate as them. They started this site. It's a referral business. No agent gets listed whose track record of success has not been fully vetted uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be referred to you, and they can probably find you an agent that you can trust just about anywhere that you'd want to move to around the country. All right? And the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. So this hour, um, if we didn't have these COVID lockdowns, and if I were on the speaker circuit right now, um, whether it's talking to your church or to your organization about where we are right now as a people, as a country, and a movement, what I'm going to do this hour um, is the talk I would give. All right? And it's it's called A Time for Truth. And it comes really in two parts. This first part here, we're going to talk about how we got here. And then the next part, later this hour, we're going to talk about some things that we can do next that we can do as individuals, you know, unless you're a state attorney general, you can't, you know, uh, or or work for the Department of Justice or a major corporate attorney. You can't file antitrust lawsuits against big tech, right? You can't do that. But that doesn't mean those of us that are just everyday average, you know, do most of the living and dying around here, Americans, doesn't mean we don't have any options. And so I'm going to present some later. But I I had originally shared with what we're going to talk about here. I had originally planned to share this with you later. Um, After tensions and frustrations with this last election had simmered down somewhat, 
I thought maybe emotions wouldn't be as raw. Therefore, it would be easier for us to be maybe brutally honest with ourselves about where we are and where we're headed without a reset. However, I think the events of this past week have made it pretty clear uh, that time right now is of the essence. And I think that um, Lord Nefarious is on the move. So let's let's set the situation. We, we don't have a political party to protect us. And we really haven't for a long time now, if we're being honest with ourselves. Our institutions have almost all been co-opted and turned against us. The long march to the institutions has nearly finished its race. Um, the spirit of the age that has invaded American exceptionalism since the 1960s has initiated, I think you're watching, its final phase of its upheaval, takeover. I think we're in the end game now. The cavalry isn't coming, but maybe... The Calvary is because all we have left right now is one another and our faith. The good news is that's what made American exceptionalism in the first place. And in past generations, long before America was even a gleam in history's eyes, it brought down what people thought at the time were supposedly unstoppable empires. These are going to be difficult times or at least more difficult than the average American has suffered through and no one live, longs to live in times like this particularly with as many creature comforts as we now enjoy I mean even our current cultural implosion is going to seem luxurious like watching NFL playoff games on Nickelodeon okay even our current cultural implosion is going to seem luxurious compared to the eras uh, that saints of old had to endure but that large cloud of witnesses is watching us now they are I think cheering us on urging us to stand in the gap, reminding us that our faith has stood the test of time while time claimed every other movement and tyranny who dared to oppose it. And if we renew that faith, I I like our odds. That's why our slogan this year on the show is the answer is us. Now, if what is happening to our beloved country is the judgment of God, then you know what, man, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But either way, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I mean, truth be told, it's not as if we don't deserve it. It's not as if I don't deserve it. I mean, all of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us, to some degree, as Americans, have abandoned the birthright forged from the lives, fortunes, and sacred honors of our ancestors. Those ancestors, by the way, they they toppled Hitler, King George. Meanwhile, we're on the brink of surrendering to a metrosexual keyboard commando in skinny jeans, overdosing on avocado toast. Life this side of heaven, yes, it can be hard. Freedom, true freedom that comes only from and obedience to divine providence, that is even harder. There's a reason that we are the longest ongoing experiment in liberty in the history of humanity. And we're not that old, really, in the grand scheme of things. However, as we've often quoted on the show, this Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we we lost our way on both of those fronts quite a while ago. But what if it's not a deserved divine judgment, but a demonic invasion? Or what if the divine judgment is the permitting of such nefarious forces to have their way in our day, you know, like Romans 1 style, given over? then I think what I'm about to propose to you, I believe could be successful in either scenario because it requires us to return to a firm reliance upon divine providence rather than continue on with rationalizations and striving that have not worked. 
Unfortunately, right now, I think we lack the leaders to lead such a change. We are rudderless, drifting off in the deep end of the eternal sea of politics. We have no plan for how to reach shore safely, except let's just keep treading water to avoid drowning right now, as in just keep trying to vote our way out of this with politicians who either lack integrity or courage. And sooner or later, Lindsey Graham will get to the bottom of things and it will work. That is Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again every time, expecting a different result. We long for leadership. I think we are actually desperate for it, which is why the minute some clip goes viral of a Republican politician saying something with gusto, we immediately glom onto them like they're the apostles without any vetting. Chris Christie to teacher unions, right? Kurt Gowdy, or Trey Gowdy, I should say, uh, to Hillary Clinton, right? The minute they say these things, man, we glom on. That's the new hero. We exalt them as our new conservative hero, only to be disappointed by them later when we needed them to actually act on those compelling words. Wash, rinse, repeat. We've all lived through this. I don't want to live through it again. So I think we have to take a hard look at ourselves because we are the only thing we can change here. Uh, we And we just learned that we're going to have to be, folks. We're going to have to be the leaders we've been waiting for. We cannot change the enemy. And no, by enemy, I do not mean a radicalized Democratic Party. I don't mean a neo-Marxist progressives who are really regressives. Uh, I don't mean leftists right now. I don't even mean big tech or anyone or anything else that currently has us in the crosshairs at the moment. I think those ent- entities are really just all manifestations of the real enemy. I think what we're up against is a spirit of the age and one that is not from above, but below. I think we must acknowledge this if we have any hope of concocting a successful strategy to defeat it. You cannot defeat an enemy that you fail to know. We'll have more on that later, though. Just stay tuned for that. First, you have to prepare yourself for the battle to come. Got to look at ourselves. Make sure we're prepared for the battle at hand. Now, I'm I'm a firm believer that before real and effective change can be made, we first have to examine how is it we got here where we don't want to be in the first place. So let's go back to the beginning, shall we? The Reagan Revolution. It was the American patriots rise up in defiance to the counterculture hatched by the spirit of the age in the 1960s. And it stood up to the spirit of the age, whether it was foreign, the USSR, or domestic, the new left. It's no coincidence that it was this alliance of Catholics and evangelicals that gave Reagan grassroots no other modern politician ever had, thus elevating him to the White House in 1980 and then a historic re-election in 1984. And these wins also empowered people like us to not just have a voice in a major political party in America for the first time in the 20th century, but we could even lead it. Reagan's ascendancy should have been the birth of a new era of activism. Unfortunately, instead, it was the zenith. For after that ascension, the system has been hard at work erasing those gains. Other than a brief moment, I would argue, with the contract with America in the mid-90s, we have been on the political defensive ever since. We have won a lot of elections over that time, yet kept losing ground. And that's because we are a representative republic, not a referendum democracy. We don't elect values, folks. We elect people. And if the people we elect are bad or weak or lack wisdom, our values will suffer in such hands. 
Those who began the new activism that catapulted Reagan to the White House, they knew this. It wasn't just that Ronald Reagan had good ideas or was a good speaker. He was a good man. Yet, as with everything, the new power that came with our successful new activism had a trade-off. There's just something about we humans, and I, I struggle with it too. Once we've made it, we tend to become protective of the prestige and prominence we now have, rather than principled in how we wield it. For example, we followed up with George H.W. Bush. He violated a solemn vow not to raise taxes on the American people. We didn't really oppose him while he violated that pledge. Um, we did try to excuse it away later when he ran for re-election. That didn't work. He ended up losing to a predator daft draft dodger, so that was cool. Ironically, because a successful businessman named Ross Perot rose up, called BS on his bad governance. That's why Bush lost. Then there was George W. Bush. He ordered perhaps the worst and most heinous foreign policy mistake in American history, the invasion of Iraq. He then signed the TARP, one of the most unpopular pieces of legislation in modern history. He signed Medicare Part D, at the time the biggest government program in American history. Man, I remember on election night 2004, I'm a brand new baby Christian. I'm on my knees in my family room. My wife's at the hospital with pregnancy complications. She sent me home. She got tired of my nerves were making it worse on her. I'm on my knees praying that he will pull out this reelect or America's over for my new kid. I remember praying that. But then he did all these things that I'm against. And we excuse them all because Al Gore's fanciful stories, you know, love, uh, love story. The movie wasn't really written about him. He didn't really invent the Internet. Uh, John Kerry's flip flops and the swift votes, the swift boats uh, for swift vets for or whatever it was called, swift boat veterans for truth. All of those things were just so much worse. So essentially, we just got those guys as policies while voting for the other guy. By the way, that same George W. Bush that we sold ourselves out for, he was selling us out last week for daring to ask if the election was credible. So there's that. We conveniently forgot John McCain stabbed us in the back more than any GOP senator of the era um, once he got the nomination. There you go again. Got the magic R. Then he, then after he lost to Barack Obama, he went back to the Senate to betray us some more. So that was cool. And then there's Mitt Romney, who originally got into politics in order to oppose Reagan and the new activism. He ran on that. When he ran for Senate in Massachusetts, we rewarded him by lying to ourselves about all of that after he became the GOP nominee. And he has since repaid our self-delusion by consistently opposing us as a senator from arguably the most consistent or conservative state in the union. So that's that's cool. Oh, in between, let's not forget the Tea Party in between, which went from a powerful voice of reform to a brood of grifters that drained it of all of its salt like the vampires they were faster than you can say Barack. Folks, we keep attempting to make it morning in America again. Attempting to recreate the original success of Reagan with cheap knockoffs and self-refuting rationalizations not so cleverly disguised as situational ethics. Meanwhile, while we did all of that, Lord Nefarious was on the move, marching through all of our institutions, claiming them all in the name of the spirit of the age, Playing the long game, recognizing that while we were desperate to win the next election, the spirit of the age was winning over the next generation. And now look where we are. Corporate CEOs, they no longer want low taxes and regulation, but government handouts, guarantees against competition. So like right now with the COVID lockdowns, they leave the giant outlets are all open across the country while the local guy, for safety of course, must close.
Subsidize schools, universities teach our children to hate their country. Churches close the minute the state says so. And in many cases, tragically, it's probably for the better, since too many of them were already being infiltrated with paganism, like critical race theory instead. I could go on and on. Sensing this, we doubled down on our desperation one final time with the nomination of Donald Trump. The hope was, let's go get our own strong man who was so wealthy that he can't be bought off. And I, I don't bring this up. I'm not trying to relitigate the 2016 primary. I made my peace with it a while ago. I happen to think Trump was a better president than I ever anticipated he would be, despite my differences with him. Which is why, after not voting for him in 2016, I proudly did so last year without any hesitation. And I wanted him to win badly, too. Not just because, not just because I thought that he earned my vote, but I anticipated that we would eventually be where we already right now are at if he didn't. And he hasn't even left office yet. Nevertheless, let us not make the same mistake again we have made so many times before. We cannot stand for the truth if we're not a people of truth. Trump is not a singular victim. Do I believe Biden's victory was real? No. And I have laid out in great detail several times why that is the case. However, Biden didn't make Trump act so unpresidential in that first debate that was watched by 10 million more people than the second debate, which most thought Trump clearly won. Biden didn't force Trump to make perhaps the worst managerial decision in American history, surrendering his presidency to the fiendish Fauci and the quack Burks. And that decision, ironically, is what set the stage for the very mail-in voting scheme that led to whatever the last election was. Trump made the decision that led to this. If Trump had done neither of those things, would he be preparing for his second inauguration? I believe the answer is yes. That doesn't make this election any more credible to me. Those who engaged in what I believe was fraud in those handful of counties, I think they're still responsible for their dirty deeds. But Trump is also responsible for his misdeeds that played right into their hands. Like also not sufficiently draining the swamp of bad actors, some of which were on his own, were his own appointments. Christopher Ray is still running the FBI. Christopher Ray, Antifa's just an idea, not a terrorist group, Ray, still running the FBI. How about declassifying material that would have brought us to clarity on several fronts? Didn't do that. Again, we need to say these things. It's a time for truth. Don't make the same mistakes again. We, we cannot defeat idolatry with idolatry. We cannot defeat propaganda with propaganda. We cannot defeat moral relativism with situational ethics. We're, we're playing for some big stakes here now, folks. No less than the future of the free world is at stake here. We are probably all that is standing between us and some English-speaking knockoff of China's consumer-driven communism, complete with a social credit system installed by Google to make sure we all play nice. And of course, it's the state that will decide what nice is. The enemy we are up against is shrewd. He's been at this game for a long time. This current spirit of the age, not his first rodeo. In fact, it's not even really original material. You're, you're listening to the Greatest Hits album. It, he gave us what we wanted. The monkey's paw story, famous story, the three wishes, but they come with a price. He gave us an elephant's paws to grant us the political wishes to continue pursuing after election wins. But the price was he got what he wanted. Our children, their hearts and minds, the culture, our cherished institutions. We thought we were being Jacobs. But really, we're Esau's. 
We took the stew to quench our political hunger now. He took the birthright to starve us out for good later. And now we are cornered. The mainstream media helped Trump win the nomination in 2016, believing he would be easy to beat in the fall. And in the meantime, clumsy and crude enough that they could finally convince the American sheeple we are the racist and bigots they've been branding us as since long before Trump ever considered running for office. But you turned the tables on them and he won the election. And then Trump turned out to be a more effective president than they ever imagined. So they resorted to fake news, Russian collusion hoaxes, rape hoaxes to bring him down. None of that worked. Yes, they ended up beating him with their, I believe, fake election, but they also didn't sufficiently tarnish him or his supporters. He had just won the Gallup poll as the most respected man in America after losing the election. They hadn't also successfully branded us as him as they had hoped to do all along. That all changed on January 6th with a gathering that began as a modern-day Boston Tea Party and ended in confusion, sadness, tragedy. They have cynically used that moment the way an offensive coordinator exploits an opponent's breakdown to finally throw the bomb down the field. And the spirit of the age is now doing to us via big tech what it did before Super Tuesday to necromance the once-dead candidacy of a dementia patient. Order 66 went out back then that Bernie Sanders was too honest, too Soviet, therefore too easy to defeat. So the spirit of the age would not hand him its mantle. So the order was given to take him out. And in 72 hours, Biden went from dead in the water to the nominee. This weekend, it was given again. The spirit of the age cannot risk the same people who defied it to get Trump elected, then exposing its fake news and hoaxes to successfully undermine its Biden Trojan horse once he's in office, especially now with ultimate victory is so close for what is the point of winning and then having all that power if you don't use it. So they are mercilessly doing what despots always do when they can't win an argument. What do they do? Silence the argument from ever happening. This brings us to where we are now. The spirit of the age directly controls every meaningful institution in America, other than the ones that fear it too much to be of any use to us. And now it controls the free flow of information, too, as well as the means of production to create your own alternative, as Parler just found out. This is how the spirit of the age works. The enemy is effective not because he denies us what we want, but he grants it. We wanted it an alternative to flee big media, and we got it. We all moved our platforms to it, and then once we were all there, at the spirit of the age's mercy, we were introduced to big tech instead. So what can we do? Where do we go from here? If we learn the right lessons about how we got here in the first place, we do have options that would hopefully prevent what the spirit of the age is luring us into. A zero-sum game. Nihilism. Everyone loses. I think we're being set up for another ambush as we speak. I'm going to discuss that and some action steps here in the next segment. But first, Todd and Aaron, I want to get your thoughts. All right. Lots to say. We... Long time ago, Steve, you had a not unreasonable request that people not use Nazi analogies. But you made clear it's mostly because people just do them really badly and lazily. And people are saying the same thing again. People are using them very badly right now. But I believe... And Steve uses a Star Wars analogy, Order 66. Uh, I believe you're a damn fool if you're not thinking about 
how Nazi Germany came out of a nation that for centuries before that, and if I may connect World War I to World War II, because that's a very long tale of, of 30 years of war and identity. Before that, centuries of Germany being the height of European and Western civilization, culture, music, philosophy, psychology, art, all of that became the final solution. It can turn like that. We, America, have been the center of Western civilization now for 250 years. And here, now we've gone from being a place where justice and liberty demanded that John Adams, on the eve of the American Revolution, after his own countrymen had been killed by redcoats, still knew the right thing to do was to defend them. Now we bookend that with where we are now. That we must get rid of parlor. Which means that tyranny is basically thought of as mercy now. That's where we are. When that happens... You simply, you can't tell yourself lies about we're better than that, the normal, that just is somehow. You really, really have to sober up and realize the tales this generation and the generation before us has been telling it itself ever since Reagan about who we are, what we're fighting for, how good we are at it is utter nonsense. And that absolutely has to start with the church. But the constant confusion of what we saw at the Capitol, that this just can't happen. Well, first of all, this show for certain has been telling you it's going to happen. And it would happen. We knew that without question. You, you cannot continue to say the things you say and believe the things you can believe about what is good and bad and arrive at transgenderism and think that chaos is not going to be the prime dish on your menu. You simply can't. That is going to happen. You must reconcile yourself to it. And you must realize that uh, all your thoughts about Jesus, well, Jesus, a priest on the order of Melchizedek, well, you know what Melchizedek did when he offered bread and wine to Abraham? What just happened? What did Abraham do? He went and slayed the evildoers who hurt those who he loved. We really don't know what we're talking about when we talk about our faith, words like liberty. We have no idea what we're talking about. And I'm not even talking about the left. Of course they're gone. We don't know. Got to come correct on that or it's over. When weeks like the last week happened, and that's not to say that this is just a repeat of, of something that's happened before, because last week was um, 
seem to sear into people's mind, whether that's from the programming or whether it's natural or, or genuine, I should say. I see the ultimate Jesus juke all over the place. From when Tom's, Todd's talking about the we people, people wearing our jerseys, the ultimate Jesus juke is to see a boat sinking, people screaming, help us, save us, save us. And then to say something along the lines of, uh, it's okay, God's in control. Of course it's true that God is in control. That doesn't excuse you from not taking action. When you see something that is going down, that's where we are right now. I think at least when it comes to the church, I'm going to be really honest with you. Amongst the people that I know personally, I've seen a greater ratio of people who fall into the category of what I just talked about. And I would say it's probably 70%. See the boat sinking and say to the people on the boat, it's okay, God's in control. Of course, it's true that God is in control. God also gave you a brain, an, a, an ability to do things, an ability to glorify him through the things and the platforms that he put in your stead. Do something. So what can we do? I have some suggestions next. A lot of us, particularly this time of year, when we get active again and haven't been for a long time, man, that inflammation really kicks in. You've been fighting it for a long time now. Hey, an inflammation, not not the same as an injury. If you have an injury, go get it medically treated, all right? But if you're dealing with those aches and pains that just ruin your day, uh, it can be the back, neck, hips, uh, any of those kinds of muscles or joints. It's the hip flexor for me. Uh, that's where you want to check out a great product, one that I use every day, Omega XL. All right. Uh, pain relievers, topical rubs can just mask the problem, but Omega XL will neutralize the inflammation that causes those painful, stiff joints and muscles. Um, and what I love about it too, all natural. 35 years of research backing up the formula of all natural ingredients here that you're going to find within Omega XL, 35 years. All right, so if you want to get started by ordering Omega XL right now, you get to buy one, get one free. When you visit OmegaXL.com, you've been putting it off for too long. All right, this is stopping, getting in the way of you living the life you want. Deal with that inflammation. Visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's Omega, just like it sounds. OmegaXL.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to part two. Um, a time for truth. How American patriots got here and then some suggestion of what we can do next. So to defeat our enemy, um, you have to deny an enemy its primary objective. And if you don't know what your enemy calls a win, you can't deliver it a loss. The spirit of the age sought to make the Democratic Party its political tool via the invasion of the counterculture. Many of you know that, lived through it. But what I think was hidden from us until recently is why. 
For decades, we have been operating under the premise that the Democratic Party was radicalized in order to make our institutions and traditions over in the graven image of the spirit of the age. And so we would often catch them in their hypocrisy. We've been doing that all weekend. Hey, the Ayatollah is still up on Twitter. Trump is not, right? We've been pointing all these things out. Uh, the Democrats hate the rich, uh, supposedly, but are often supported by the richest, like glamorous movie stars and tycoons such as Warren Buffett. Uh, they play the race card against us while holding urban areas they have controlled hostage for generations via dysfunction and poverty, right? How many times over the years have you tuned in and heard that show in conservative media? How many times over the year, over the years have I done it? Despite all these years, we have caught them in these devastating hypocrisies. The Republican Party has struggled mightily to make inroads with the working class and minority voters, Democrats, dutifully betray and still get the votes of. It's because I think we've misdiagnosed our opponent. The enemy here is not political. It is spiritual. The Democratic Party is not a rival political party. It is the Vatican for a rival religion. It's the government seat. All roads no longer lead to Rome. They lead to the Democrats. It both sends out cultural influencers and receives them, just as the Christian church has always done. It funds its missionaries and causes, just as the Christian church has always done. It defunds heretics and seeks to suppress that which it sees as obscene, just as the Christian church has always done. It just defines each of these terms from the other side of the looking glass. It's like a twilight zone where groupthink is defined as the truth. What I'm describing is, well, a cult. <laughs> That's why we have struggled to make inroads with the very constituencies Democrats often punish the most, their own people. Uh, no one suffers from a cult more than its own membership. The Democratic Party is the spirit of the ages fulcrum. The vortex where all its power pivots to its various tentacles and the supply lines of funding are both given and received. Uh, but, but the Democrats here, they're deluded too. They believe they're a movement to undo America's past wrongs and usher us into a brave new progressive utopia. The same utopia everyone who does a deal with the devil falls for. Except when you dance with the devil, folks, the devil does not change. He changes you. The enemy is not using the Democratic Party to conquer us, but to end our way of life. Not to redefine our way of life, but end it altogether. At the heart of every spirit of the age, once the window dressing and enticing sensuality and catchphrases are all stripped away, is nihilism. The enemy is giving Democrats, we got the elephant's paws, they get the donkey paw. They get what they want, power, in exchange for what he wants the means by which to strip us all of the peaceable power we have to oppose him. The enemy has effective, effectively planted the bombs on both the RNC and DNC ferry boats like the Joker in the Dark Knight, except he's the one this time planning on setting them both off. He's taking away all your peaceable means to politically resist in the hopes that you will come out of your homes with the guns so that he can then roll out the tanks. And he has sold an American political party. They can preach a new progressive gospel to save America if they just get rid of people like us. When it's really the doctrine of demons. Set these two, then you set these two against each other. You draw them out. Set the two against each other. Hand them both machetes and then get out of the way and watch them set the whole thing ablaze with maximum carnage and chaos. The enemy loves the zero-sum game. And that's what I think we're being lured into. But there is another way. We don't have to fall for this 
again. The God from whom our rights comes from, he plays by his own game. Not even death stymies him. Um, but the challenge for us, as Abraham Lincoln once pointed out, is not whether he's on our side, but whether we are on his. So based on my knowledge of scripture and church history, I believe we should consider responding to this with the following tactics. Number one, I think we need to check our motivations. Whether God rebukes or resurrects, his primary motivation is always the same love. If we choose fear over faith, despair over hope, victimology over victory, and hate over love, we have no chance to win. We, we cannot we cannot do these things better than the opposition. Zero times zero is zero. Number two, we have to refuse to be silent. In the scriptures, God speaks out of the jackass of a pagan conjurer, lowly shepherds, plain old fishermen. The Messiah himself was more than a carpenter. Uh, he can speak through you too. Open your mouth. Refuse to be silent. But do so out of love for your Lord and the truth as well as others. But do so with boldness. Speak. Number three, follow God and not man. If what government commands violates your God-governed conscience or the word of God itself, refuse to comply. Any unjust law is no law at all. A man-made law that violates the law of God is no law at all. And this goes both for the believer in the general population as well as in public service. Special shame to those of you who would help the spirit of the age enforce its capricious and demonic edicts because you're, quote, just following orders. You're on the wrong team, brother. Um, you're not worthy of that badge and you have violated your oath of office. Similarly, if you win public office, stop forcing and funding that which God says is wrong. Hey, I'm governor of this state now and we're not, we're not killing kids. So see you tomorrow. Not doing that. Took an oath, so help me God. God says do not murder. So we're not going to murder. We're just not doing that here. I'm in the state legislature. We're not funding that stuff. Pour one out. Thank you. Appreciate it. Supreme Court says, oh, I don't care. Some, uh, you know, uh, Pazuzu federal judge out there in uh, 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 Californication speaks up. Now, give him the old Chris Pratt wind up response. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing it. What are you going to do? Blog? <gasps> oh, no. Uh, the primetime lineup on MSNBC will hate me all the more. Who cares? Who cares? Number four, the answer is us. If your church is closed, start a home Bible study. If you don't like your local rep for any office, run for his seat or encourage and assist someone you believe is better equipped to do so instead. Organize a group of local businesses to all defy lockdown and reopen on the same day. The same with those Chinese face diapers we know don't work. No more one housewife walking in there or one woman who's just had enough. No more. I want to see 20 or 30 men walking into that Walmart, Target, all of you together. And we're just going shopping and we're not wearing them. No. Be the tireless minority 
that Samuel Adams noted often wins in history, that history is often won, not by a majority, because the majority are almost always sheep, but by the tireless minority. Number five, this one's going to be weird. I thought this was going to be easier to say, getting ready to say it, but... Stay in the Republican Party. Gosh, I need a silkwood shower after that. I know this is going to sound weird coming from me. All right. But hey, only Kirk could make peace with the Klingons. Um, It's a party I have justifiably condemned how many years now? How many years have I longed for an alternative? However, I think we are out of time. Again, it's time for truth. It's not the truth I would prefer. But I think we're out of time to build something that could even impact the process substantively within the time we have to avoid a zero-sum game, a nihilistic outcome here. Furthermore, I believe just as we were lured into abandoning the bias of big media for the censorship of big tech, we are now being lured into starting something new, one particularly aligned with Trump, whose brand, if we're being honest again, has been severely tarnished with many of our countrymen. If we break out under our own, under his brand. They will do us like they just did Parlor when it broke out on its own. Because out in the open, we're out our own. They will brandish all of us as basically terrorists. Um, we won't just be deplatformed. Like I, I went to get Gab Pro when I signed up today. I have to pay with like Bitcoin. I can't use my debit card. They'll do that to us. They'll refuse to process our donations and dealings. You'll be unpersoned, as Orwell said. However, since the GOP is grandfathered into the Overton window, there is political protection there by remaining under its brand. But that brings me to the next point. If we're going to stay, we have to live differently while we're here. Number six, we have to treat the Republican Party the way it deserves. What does that mean? We stop using situational ethics. We stop rationalizing it. We stop deceiving ourselves and others for it. When it's politicians do right, support it and vote for it. When they do wrong, let them suffer the consequences. We wouldn't follow our unbelieving family members we love into lies and corruption. So we don't do it for a political party that does not love us. Let the Democrats help us separate the wheat from the chaff. If we can't beat these people in primaries, let the Democrats finish them off. Yes, that includes party leadership. Yes, that means we may be in the minority at times, but we've been in minorities with majorities most of my career. And if we haven't learned after the last 30 years that there is no point to a majority of traitors and cowards, then frankly, we're unworthy of the title patriots. We've already lost this conflict. Just go home and take it. No more do we vote for anyone anymore out of fear. They either earn it or they don't. This will help us to reestablish also some credibility with our countrymen because we love talking about absolute truth and fixed standards and then have a tendency to look the other way and abandon them in order to excuse the behavior from our guy while condemning it from our opponents. Again, either it's a time for truth or it's not. A Republican majority with Mitch McConnell and Susan Collins in leadership and John Cornyn, why, what, what does that do for me? I know what the answer is. Nothing. I just lived through it. Again, nothing. Nothing's the answer.
Number seven, I saved the best and biggest one for last. We got to make God great again. In our hearts, in our homes, in our homilies. We got to make God great again. We've made a lot of Republican politicians great. We need to make God great again. Now, I have more to say on each of these points. In the future, I'll probably do some specific content on each of these particular seven tactics. But for now, I think there's just a generic blueprint. And by the way, this is not original. I have literally plagiarized all the most successful reform movements in history, including the one that founded this country. The Second Amendment is an insurance policy, but the goal of every insurance policy is to never have to use it. We have peaceable means to restore truth, justice in the American way. We just have to deploy them. We also have our eternal insurance through Christ. And he promises us whoever loses his life for his sake will find it. It's time for us, the people of truth, to believe in that once again. Let go of the ways of this world, all of its stinking thinking. Stop trying to beat the world and its prince at its own game. And instead return with humble hearts to a firm reliance upon its one true king. We must vow that those who sacrificed for us to enjoy the freedoms we're at risk of losing today, shall not have sacrificed in vain. That American exceptionalism under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. The answer is us. All right, gentlemen, we have about a minute. Your thoughts. Well, I'm just going to follow up on what I uh, said at the end of part one uh, by uh, commenting on what you said about making God great again, your seventh plank. This is what I mean. Right now, God is, the God we believe in is basically a coward. And we need to reconcile ourselves to that. That's what we have done to him after all he has done for us. Start there. And don't keep going until you get that figured out. I think at this point, the very, very first kind of action plan that you pointed out uh, is maybe it's there for a reason. Maybe it maybe it's not. But I think I want to go back to that. Checking our motivations. We're not victims. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power. Spiritually. Um, That is probably probably the biggest step to get over because I and anybody listening and anybody in this room right here could tell you 15 different ways this country is screwed. We're never ever going to reverse course if that is our frame of mind and it's all too easy to do. Start by taking the simple small steps and that's what this does. I'm glad to have done that today. We're going to stick around and do the overtime for the rest of you. See you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.